0: Good morning, and a happy Easter. We all have a story, and our stories are all different. Maybe your story feels like a drama right now. Maybe it feels like a comedy. Maybe it feels like a horror movie, in which case I'm sorry. Maybe it feels like a musical, for some inexplicable reason. Maybe it feels like one of those buddy action flicks. We all have a story, and this morning we're going to tell you a story. We're going to tell you a story about how God defeated sin and death through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. We're going to tell you a story about how God loves people and loves people so much that he would tear down the barriers that separate us from him. This isn't just a story about people that lived a long time ago. This is our story. This is a story that changes everything. A story about a torn veil. This is the story of Easter. In the beginning, God created everything everything that is, that ever will be, everything that exists, everything. God created it. God created the stars and the sky and the planets and the earth and the land and the sea and the air and Plants and trees and animals and birds and fish and walruses, as well, apparently, with what was left over. We're created. God created everything, and God created people. Into this perfect creation, God brought people. People matter uniquely to God. God loves all creation, but people are special. And what's powerful is that it's into this perfect creation that God walked with people. He walked with them. They experienced his perfect presence. The door between people and God was wide open. There was no barrier. But people are foolish. People desire to be like God. People say... God, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I can find what I want. I can find good. I can find meaning. I can find joy and purpose apart from you. And people live in rebellion. People introduced sin into the world. Like melon in a fruit salad, like a bird pooping on your freshly washed car, like onions in anything. And I mean literally anything. Sin ruined the perfect thing God had created. But God still loves people. The punishment for that sin was that we are removed from God's presence, was that people are kicked out of the garden. There's consequences for that. But God still loves people dearly. God wants people to know him. God wants people to experience him. But people are still sinful. And that sin eats at people. It, it poisons people from the inside out. And so God gave instructions for how people could be forgiven. In order for people to be with God, it was perfect and right and righteous and light and all that is good, he can't be around sin. God gave instructions on how to be forgiven. And we see this in the Old Testament, talked about in a, when it's described the Day of Atonement. Now, the day of atonement was where the high priest would make sacrifices on behalf of the people. The high priest would take two goats to symbolize the people, and the first goat was called the Lord's goat, and that was sacrificed because sin demands blood. Sin demands death. That's what sin earns. And so the sins of the people would be symbolically forgiven, would be symbolically paid for by the blood of this goat. And the second goat was known as the scapegoat. It's a word we still use today. And the sins of the people were symbolically transferred to the goat. And the goat was sent off into the wilderness as a picture of forgiveness, as a picture of sins being removed from people, being sent away. The lesson here is that the Day of Atonement is a really good thing for people. And not so good for goats. I imagine goats got a little itchy around this time of the year. Not Stephen, don't take Stephen. (laughs) Why would the goat be named Stephen? I don't know. They had to do this every year as a picture of forgiveness. As people's history continue on, God gave instructions for the tabernacle, which is really the dwelling place, so God could be present with his people. And the innermost section of the tabernacle was called the Holy of Holies. It's the most holy place. The most holy place where God's presence would be. And only the high priest could enter the most holy place and only once a year on the Day of Atonement and only after he made a sacrifice to purify himself. This was a serious action that had to be done perfectly. right? Only once a year at the right time, in the right way, at the right place, by the right person, Could someone enter into the presence of God? And he had to do it the right way for fear that if his sacrifice wasn't accepted, he would be killed. A large curtain or a veil closed off the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle. And this veil served as a a huge do not enter sign. It represented the separation between God and people. The veil was a physical picture of the separation that existed between God and people, that access was not available to all, that the door was closed. God was present with his people but not directly accessible because sin had created a barrier. Sin had built a barrier between people and God. He was present, and yet he was distant. The people of Israel become the nation of Israel, and still this separation exists. All the way through the first century, it exists. Through the building of the Temple of Solomon, to the building of the Temple of Herod, it exists. In the temple, there was a huge veil, a massive veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. The veil was 60 feet tall. This this room, the ceiling is 30 feet tall, Imagine twice this height, and it was 30 feet wide, which would be about from here all the way over to this side, all the way over to here. That wide, 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. This is not a a thin piece of fabric that's hanging down. This is a massive fabric wall that serves as a physical, as a visceral picture of what that separation is that God is here and people are here. It's a powerful picture of separation. And that separation is true for all of us at one time. And maybe you're feeling that separation right now. Maybe you're feeling that disconnection, that distance, that I know that there's a God. I believe that there's a God, but I don't, I don't know him. I don't feel close to him. I don't know what to do. That God just seems distant, that he's, he, he's a bully. He kind of bosses me around. Like, I, I know there's a God, but I don't know him. You feel that disconnection in your soul. It's into that reality that God sent Jesus, that God sent his son. God was gonna do something once and for all and so he sent his son, his only son, his beloved son to earth. Jesus is God who stepped into time, God who put on flesh, God who came to speak with us, to walk with us, to live as we live, to communicate with us in a way that we could understand. Jesus is God saying, I'm gonna meet you where you are. Jesus is the perfect, the once and for all sacrifice. No more would we have to sacrifice goats every year. Jesus is the once and for all, forever sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice. And Jesus came and lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. Jesus came and was nailed to a cross. Nails piercing his wrists and his ankles. Jesus endured mocking, abuse, pain, humiliation, torture. Jesus endured all of that for us. Matthew 27, book in the New Testament, describes it this way. At noon darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Because up to this point, Jesus had experienced perfect connection with his father, perfect relationship with his father. But for the first and the last time in his existence, when Jesus called out to his father, his father did not answer. God turned his back on his son. And Jesus was alone. Matthew continues on to say, then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split apart. As the sky darkened and the earth Quaked. It is as if creation itself was in mourning with God for the death of his son. As Jesus breathed his last breath, as he gave up his life, as he surrendered himself to death, God would show the world that his death was not in vain, that it had a great purpose. Because in that moment when the sky was dark and the earth shook violently and rocks split and tombs opened up and the dead were raised to life, the veil that separated God from people was torn in two. As Jesus' body was being torn, the veil was being torn. Torn from top to bottom. Torn intentionally and purposefully in two. Not thrown to the ground during the earthquake, not pulled down, it didn't slip off of its anchors, it is still hanging, it is still in place, but it is torn down the middle in two. Torn in a way that no human could have done. Torn as a picture of what God is doing. One Jewish writer described the veil as being so heavy and strong that it would have required a team of oxen pulling in opposite directions to tear it, and yet here in this moment the veil Was torn from the top down. At this time, when Jews were in mourning, they would tear their clothes, they would tear their garments to demonstrate their grief and their pain. And in this moment, it's as if God Himself is tearing the garments of His dwelling place as He mourns the death of His Son. God Himself had torn the veil. Restoring people's access to him. And Jesus had made that possible.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, many years ago, well, we had a family lake property in Michigan that has since been sold. But my family, my immediate family, would vacation up there every summer. And one weekend, we had some friends coming in. Our kids were young at the time. And we had some friends who had younger kids as well who were coming in for the weekend to enjoy a weekend of boating and swimming and skiing and tubing and, and so on. So they were to arrive Friday mid-afternoon. So on Friday morning, mid-morning, I got the boat out to check it out, make sure everything was running okay. I got it out on the lake and the boat died. So I, took, I was able to get it over to the marina and they checked it out and they said it was going to need an, a part and that part wasn't gonna come in till next week. So now I wasn't sure what I was going to do because we weren't going to have our boat for the weekend. Then I remember my uncle lived on a lake in Elkhart, Indiana, which was about 30 minutes from where our lake property was at the time. So I called him up and I said, hey, we have um, company coming for the weekend. Could we borrow your powerboat? He said, sure, no problem. He said, do you have a hitch on your car? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, well, why don't you meet me at Dan's Hitches in about an hour? We'll get a hitch put on your car and then you can tow my boat on the trailer back up to Michigan. So I said, great, I'll meet you there in an hour. Now, you may not think that Dan's Hitches sounds like a happening place. Elkhart, Indiana was once called the trailer capital of the world. Even today, Elkhart, Indiana is called the RV capital of the world. When I arrived at Dan Hitch's that Friday morning, everyone in the Michiana area had decided they needed a hitch on their vehicle that morning because when we went in, it was mobbed. And so my uncle went up to the counter and he said to the man, we need to get a hitch put on his car. The man behind the counter said, oh, we are swamped today. Um, we probably can get, get to it for several hours, probably be three to four hours. I knew that wasn't going to work. In three to four hours, our company was going to be there. And not only did I have to get a hitch put on, I had to get back to my uncle's lake. I had to get his boat out of the water, put it on the trailer, tow it to Michigan, get the boat out in our lake, and so on. I knew by the time I did all that, it was going to be next Tuesday. So at that point, my uncle did something that I had never seen him do before. I've never seen him do it since then. My uncle was a pretty humble man. And a little bit of backstory. Um, my uncle owned and was president of a company called Bruce Products. They made trailer hitches. And in the 1970s, they actually sold more hitches than any other company in the world. He then sold the company at one point. But while he was president and owner of his company, Dan, of Dan's Hitches, was his service manager. So my uncle said to the guy behind the counter, he said, is Dan here? And the guy said, well, he's in the back. He said, would you tell him that Bob Reese would like to talk with him? So the guy went into the back. About 30 seconds later, Dan appeared. And about 30 minutes later, I drove out with a hitch on my car. (laughs) I learned a valuable lesson that day. It really does matter who you know. Who you know really does matter, doesn't it? Had I gone into Dan Hitch's on my own that morning, I might still be waiting to get a hitch put on my car. But when I walked in with Uncle Bob, that changed everything. Let me just add, it felt really good to be with Uncle Bob that day. And when that curtain or that veil in the temple as Josh described a minute ago, tore in two from top to bottom. That changed everything with regard to our relationship with God because you and I can now know the right person. And that person whom we can know can get us into places and help us get things accomplished that we could not do on our own. And that person is Jesus. And that's why the message of Easter is so important. I wanna explain it to you by reading something from the Bible. Um, I wanna read to you from a book in the Bible that's called Hebrews. And I'm gonna read from the fourth chapter. Three verses I wanna read, verses 14 to 16. Here's what it says, and this shows how it changes everything for us. Verse 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There there we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Verse 14 describes a great High priest. This is a different high priest than what Josh was talking about um, from the story of Israel in the Old Testament because this high priest is the Son of God. This is Jesus. He had a different kind of relationship with God where that veil was a barrier that kept people away and only the high priest could go in once a year. This great high priest changed everything for us because he was Jesus. He could get us into places, and he could accomplish things that we could not on our own. He knew the right people. You think about it, that's the perfect relationship that we need. So let's go on and read verse or look at verse 15 again. And here, it talks about how this great high priest can understand our weaknesses. Some versions of the Bible actually use the word empathize or sympathize. That's what Jesus can do. Now, How can he do that? Because he became one of us. Jesus became a man. If you think about it, Jesus was the perfect person because he was the son of God. And so he had that connection with God the Father to give us access to God the Father. But he was also a man. He became one of us so he could represent us. He could intercede for us. He could understand us. And what we're going through. So, when that curtain, that veil split into that enormous, huge veil that separated us, us from God, that changed everything for us. Now, anybody could have access to God through what Jesus had done. And it tells us then what that means for us. The next verse, verse 16, tells us that we can actually come. Boldly to our gracious God. Did you get that? We went from a high priest in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel who one time a year would offer sacrifices and go behind that enormous veil or curtain to offer sacrifices for the people in the presence of God. He could only do that once a year. And I think he was scared to death when he did it because he knew if he went into the presence of God behind that curtain, behind that veil, And God did not accept the sacrifices, he was dead. We went from that to now, because of what Jesus has done, having access to God on our own. And what's even more remarkable is it says that we can go boldly. You know what boldly means? It means any time, any place, for any reason. Many years ago, we had a pastoral staff member who was doing the welcome and announcements in a Sunday morning service, like you saw Adam and Leslie up here earlier. And it was during the second service, and he was standing on stage by himself giving those. Well, apparently his wife and they had two little girls had gone to the first service that morning, and so... By the time the second service had started, she was out in the atrium talking to someone, and her little girl, who was about three years old, was standing beside her. Well, she was talking and distracted, and the little girl, the the back doors of the auditorium were still open, and the little girl looked, and she saw her dad up on stage. So she walked away from her mom, through the atrium, through the doors, down the aisle, up on stage, And walked right up to her dad and held her arms up like, dad, pick me up. Well, he wasn't sure what to do, but he did what dad's doing in that situation. He picked her up. (laughs) So there he was, finishing the announcements, holding his little girl. Meanwhile, mom, who was out in the atrium, realized what happened. She was horrified at that point, you know, because she had gotten distracted. The little girl, though, she got what she wanted. She just wanted to be with her dad. She came boldly. She came unashamedly. God wants us to do the same thing with him. And that's why Jesus died. In other words, what God is saying is this door that was closed, that barrier that our sin causes and separates us from God, he has because of what Jesus did, that door is now open and you don't even have to knock. In fact, the Bible says that God, the Father, wants us to call him Dad. So if you've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years or just a few months, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time today, you need to understand that that door is open to any of us because of what Jesus did. Now what's that mean, that the door is open, that we have access to God? Well one thing it means is we can have peace in our life. Because when we have worries, when we have struggles, when we have challenges, when we're anxious, when we're stressed out, when we have anxiety, God says, bring all that stuff to me. You have access to me now. I'll worry about it for you. You can live in peace. We have promises. God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never abandon you. He says, I can even take the bad things that happen in your life, and I can bring about good from them. We have perspective. Perspective that no matter how challenging this life Gets, we still can have the promise or hope that we can have eternal life because of what Jesus did for us. We can have life after this life, and it's with God in heaven, a place where there's no more sorrow, or crying, or pain, or death. That's what it means. Um, Our kids are now grown, but if you're a parent, you can relate to this as a parent. Being a parent is challenging, isn't it? And There were times when our kids were growing up that we had struggles, we had challenges, where we weren't sure what to do as parents, where we felt very inadequate as parents. But knowing that we had access to God the Father, that His door was always open, changed everything for us in the parenting process. Now, we had the Bible, which gives great parenting principles. We had a church community and youth leaders who surrounded us and helped us with that process. We had conferences, we had videos that we could use. Um, Now, even today, our our kids are grown and we have less influence in their lives than we did when they were younger. But the foundation for everything I'm telling you as a parent was the fact that we could go to God anytime, anywhere for any reason and talk to him about raising our kids. My wife was telling me she Um, works out on a treadmill in our basement during the winter time. And when she's on that treadmill, she said she looks across the room on the wall and there hang the pictures of our three kids. She said she uses that time to pray for them. So do you have a marriage that you feel is struggling or even falling apart? You can take it to the God who loves you more than you'll ever know. Do you have a job that has become a real challenge to you? You can take it to a God who sent Jesus into the world to give you access to him. Are you struggling with something emotionally? Anger, anxiety, depression? You can take it to the throne of our gracious God. Are you struggling as a parent? You can take it to God. Are you struggling in a relationship or conflict that you can't resolve? You can take it to God. Is it fear? Is it loneliness? Is it inadequacy? Is it insecurity? You can take it to God. You have the ear of the God of the universe because Jesus gave us access to him when he died and took our sin on himself and broke down. That barrier. What was impossible at one time, to go into the presence of God, that veil stood there to represent the barrier that was there, that separated us from God, is now possible because of what Jesus did. Now you may be asking yourself the question, what does this have to do with Easter? Jesus has to be alive in order for this to be able to come true. Think about it. Um, My Uncle Bob that I referred to earlier, he lived to be 95 years old. He lived a full life. He just died a year ago. But he's no longer alive. If I go into Dan Hitch's today and try to get a hitch put on a vehicle, you know what they're going to say to me? What part of a four-hour wait do you not understand? My Uncle Bob has to be alive for that to happen. And because Jesus is alive, That changes everything for you and for me. This is available to any of us, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 25 years or whether you're hearing it for the first time today. This is available. But we have to make that phone call. Just like I made that phone call to Uncle Bob years ago, we have to make that phone call to God. The Bible calls that phone call faith. Once you to watch how this is so beautifully illustrated in this drama sketch. Perhaps you're feeling disconnected from God today. And that barrier that keeps us from him is our sin. But that's why Jesus came into our world, to die and to come back to life. The Bible says when he died, he took all of our sins on him. But God doesn't force us to make decisions related to our relationship with Him. He allows us to make those decisions on our own. When we trust or we rely on, we put our faith in what He has done for us. And He wants you to make that decision because He loves you. And He would ask you to make that decision. And you can make that decision today. Now, you know, perhaps you've made that decision already. Maybe you've been coming or you've heard this before and for the first time today it has made sense to you and you're saying I'm ready to make that decision maybe this is all new to you today and you're going to say I don't know about this and that's fine we understand that but if you're ready to make that decision today you can do that I want you to listen to Jesus own words his promise to us this is from John chapter 5 verse 24 in the Bible here's what Jesus said I tell you the truth Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but have already passed from death into life. When Jesus died, he broke down that barrier that existed. And the promise to us is when we trust in what he has done, we can pass from death into life, eternal life from that moment on. And you know, when you do that, your past is forgiven. You have the promise that God is with you to walk with you in the present like we've been talking about this morning. And you have the promise that you can spend eternity with Him. And so if you've never made that decision, as we close on Easter Sunday morning, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I would ask that you just bow your heads and in this quiet moment, you can silently... um, In your heart, just pray this to God and just say something like this. Say, God, I know that I've sinned. And I know that's what's created the barrier between you and me. But I know Jesus came and died and took all my sin on Himself. And right now, I want to rely on what Jesus has done for me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Thank you for restoring my relationship with you amen and I'm going to close us in prayer now let's go ahead and pray God how I thank you for the message of Easter that Jesus came into our world and took all our sin on himself to break down that barrier that existed between us and between you thank you that not only did he die but he came back to life as if that was your stamp of approval on what he had done, providing us forgiveness for our sins And so today, God, is the day that we can celebrate. We celebrate not only because Jesus is alive, because of what that means for us, that we can have a right relationship with you and have you to walk through this life and have the promise and hope of eternal life. So we celebrate that today, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.